Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. And uh, welcome to uh, the final show of this week. It is May 7th, 2020, and uh, news came um, in the last uh, 24 hours of the death of of someone who played a big part in this program for, uh, I'm never good with time, but for a few years, I think, easily. And uh, that is uh, Tom Sokolowski. And uh, I'm, I'm so saddened to say it. A friend told me this, yesterday afternoon that Tom had died. He didn't have any other information. And I, and I have to say that I haven't been able to find any other information. I know that uh, the Post-Gazette apparently has done something but I can't access it for some reason. So in as much as anyone can share any information with me, I'd be glad. Uh, Tom uh, left uh, Pittsburgh about uh, three years ago. Um, and uh, he had, I think he struggled a bit after, um, after he left the Warhol Museum where he had been the uh, director for most of its life. And it was a great fit, uh, Tom Sokolowski in the Warhol. Uh, and when he came to town, he was, he was very different. He was not... Uh, I, I remember when I first saw him, I thought, I don't know, are you going to be able to live here? He seemed not Pittsburgh-y, um, very flamboyant, very snarky, very, uh, he had a, a vicious, <laughs> funny humor, but it, he would say things that no one else would say. He would say things out loud that you were not supposed to say. He would make fun of, uh, you know, Pittsburgh uh, beloved, uh, whatever institutions, uh, people, and because, as anyone who listens to me for any length of time knows, I have zero memory. I can't, of course, think of a specific. <laughs> well, I can think of one, but I'm not going to share it with you because it's, <laughs> it's, it's too outrageous and the person in question is still with us. So he was, I mean, he was the kind of guy who you, when you were with, you did a lot of laughing, but it, it was, it was sometimes the kind of laughter that was, what is the word? Transgressive in some way. I don't know. When I think of Tom, I think, I think of that wit more than anything. And, of course, I have to think of his, his eyeglasses, of which he had, um, I don't know, 7,000 pair. He seemed to settle on just a few. Uh, in the time I knew him, he was mostly just wearing these sort of round purple ones. Uh, 
but he was an art historian of of uh, of some note obviously and um he had been in the running for a number of uh, big jobs over the years i think after he left the warhol what kept him from getting another big big job was a problem that happens to a lot of us his age right he had been up for uh he was one of three finalists for uh the director of the rock and roll uh uh hall of fame as that was called or rock and roll museum in cleveland and uh man i think that would have been just the greatest fit but you know close but no cigar he did uh finally end up at a relatively small and new um university related uh museum uh the zimmerly art museum which is uh, a part of rutgers university and um as far as i know that's where he was i have no idea of cause of death he was 70 years old and he um damn you know i when you lose somebody like that um we he left the show uh of his own accord and i must to be honest say that he left it in a bit of a snit um working you know cheek to jowl as we did ad libbing for an hour uh two strong personalities used to sort of holding the 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 spotlight i i think we sometimes clashed i know i am so used to working solo um that little things he did used to annoy the hell out of me which is one of the reasons i'm single okay i mean i have trouble uh with with accepting people's sort of physical presence and the foibles that that come with them <laughs> it doesn't make me sound good it's just the way it is so i i had this vague memory uh lying in bed last night that i felt so miserable about but some of you may remember i think i used to scream at him for breathing too loudly <laughs> didn't i i mean he would he'd have his mouth too close to mike and when he wasn't talking he was just <sniffs> breathing and almost seemed like snoring half the time so i i know that was one of the things and after a while my sort of it became sort of sister brother kind of feeling my sort of pushing at him and him pushing at me it obviously um hampered our relationship and and tom decided it wasn't working for him um and that is how that ended i don't know how clear i was at the time i think i must have been pretty clear it's not my nature not to be i mean in as much as i understand so i just wanted to say uh wow that was a shock and um tom gave me and and you um a lot of 
pleasure, entertainment, had great stories to tell. I mean, he was the one who used to, when when big uh, entertainers would come to Pittsburgh, they'd want to go straight to the Warhol, and he would he would take them on um, on you know special special little tours. So he he was he got to know people, um, you know, like the Rolling Stones came and. Uh, that's the one I, I I I remember most because that's the one I most envied him for, <laughs> the Rolling Stones and royalty and uh, lots of people and he he reveled in that and being able to um, show them around. Wow. So I just had to. Note it, and Tom, bless you, and uh, rest in peace, my my funny, funny, funny guy. Okay. Um, I don't know where to start. I feel like I have a lot of things I would like to talk about today. Um, I. Uh, can we start with masks? Um, because my sister sent me some new ones yesterday. I don't know where everybody's getting all their masks. I, mean, I don't know. I'm relying on the kindness of strangers and family and and uh, the internet, and I still haven't found one that is really comfortable on me. I really am uncomfortable wearing them. Part of it may be because I, you know, I, I have uh, seasonal allergies and I have uh, asthma and, you know, walking up a Pittsburgh hill with the dog, I, I need my air and it definitely does impede uh, your ability to take in big hunks of air. Um, so I, I find that troublesome. And then when you take them off, you have lines on your face. If you've been wearing them, I saw a picture of a, I think it was a doctor, um, a bald doctor in some hospital and someone had taken a picture of his head, the top of his head. And there were almost fissures, I mean, like dug into, uh, two or three spots on his uh, on his bald pate uh, because these things, if they're worn properly and worn tightly, uh, they dig in. It's as simple as that. Oh, thank you for this, Heath and uh, I think Chris. Uh, he suffered an aneurysm. Well, was that as you now that can happen with COVID at nineteen? I don't know, so we don't know. Suffered an aneurysm um, at the Robert Wood Johnson University Hospital in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Uh, as I said, he was at Rutgers, which is in New Jersey. He served for fourteen years as director of the Warhol, and. That position ended in 2010 
friends posting tributes on social media remember him with as his quick wit. <laughs> God knows his eviscerating wit and uh, certainly major contributions to the Pittsburgh arts community. Richard Parsakian, who is also a friend of mine, is quoted here as saying, many in our Pittsburgh arts community know how much I love this man. He always had the kindest and funniest words to say. I always was envious of what I called the flowers that fell from his mouth. Oh, Richard. story about Richard Parsakian. Um, he, he himself is an extraordinary man. He owns a, um, a vintage clothing store on Ellsworth Avenue. And, but he is one of these people who is hardly any major event goes on in Pittsburgh, it seems, without Richard's hand in it. And it always unpaid. He is always doing stuff for all kinds of nonprofits. And um, once we were speaking, and, and he, he, he was a very, he is a very proud Armenian. And he, I think, was the first to tell me about the Armenian genocide at the hands of the Turks. And this is, a, a, this is an issue that has, um, caused uh, Armenians a great deal of, of sorrow and anger, obviously, and the Turks have forever been uh, denying it. Um, and he said to me, you know, I'm, I'm 100% Armenian. <laughs> and I said, this is after I'd had my 23andMe done, and I said, I doubt it, Richard. I said, if you look at where Armenia is and where your people were, it is like the trade route of the of the world through much of its early history. I said, there's no way people living in that geographical setting would not intermarry, would not, there's no way you could be 100% Armenian. And he insisted he was. He looks like he is, but it, it didn't matter. Anyway, for a gift, I bought him a 23andMe kit and said, here, go test yourself. I hate to tell you this, but there's some other stuff other than Armenian in there. And so he did. And it came back 100% Armenian. I, much to my absolute astonishment. Uh, Sokolowski said that what made him most happy during his tenure at the Warhol was when people would say, only the Warhol would do that, or only the Warhol would take that on. Others wouldn't do so because of age or lack of funding or they didn't have a pulpit or they were too scared. And that is true. He was always pushing boundaries. He organized a panel after 9-11 that brought together diverse religions and ethnic groups for dialogue. Um, Rutgers released a statement saying, we are deeply saddened 
He came to Rutgers in 2017, and his dynamic personality, sense of humor, and passion for the arts quickly became the essence of the museum. Well, so I'm it's just, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm looking at some emails here and I didn't understand what that meant. Not surprising how all of the right-wing media and Republican senators are now only talking about the Mueller scoop released yesterday. Well, they're trying to change the subject, I guess. I don't even know what you're talking about. So... Yeah, well, the reality is, and I mentioned this yesterday, uh, the president is bored uh, by this. Um, At first he thought, well, maybe I can... Yeah, I mean, you could see how he thought from the beginning. First of all, he denied. It ain't coming here. We got it under control. No problems. Then, when that proved to be untrue, he wanted no part of it because he didn't want to be associated with this thing that was, uh, you know, killing people. So he gave Mike Pence uh, the responsibility of being in charge. And then Mike Pence started holding these daily briefings and started getting relatively good reviews, and Trump went berserk. So he elbowed uh, Pence out of the way, and he took over. And lo and behold, he thought, hey, this is, I can do this like, you know, my rallies. I can say whatever I want. I can go on and on and on for hours on end. I can insult the media and other people. This is fun. And he did it for a while until he went finally too far. It turns out that too far was, you know, injecting, uh, you know, injecting uh, Clorox or something that particular uh, that particular <laughs> what do you even I'm sorry nightmare nightmare and then he got bored he's stuck in the damn White House he can't go golfing people are dying his re-election chances are looking really wobbly and all the shtick he's always done ain't working. You can't bully a virus. And so he had one more gambit, and it was, this is a war. Because he'd always heard that if you're a wartime president, you don't get knocked out of office. No one throws their chief off out while they're in the midst of a war. And so he declared we're at war, and he was the leader in charge. And then the deaths kept mounting and mounting, and he, the stock market kept sliding, and unemployment kept going up, and things were not looking good. And so he's just decided, and it looks like a lot of Republicans with him, to just move on. 
Nothing to see here. Oh, there's bodies piling up in the street. Come on. Got to open this place up now. He's bored. He's distracted and trying to distract us. And he has decreed it's pretty much done. That's it. He's essentially done what other presidents do in war when the war didn't go well, declare victory and, uh, and move on. So uh, that's what he's done. Meanwhile, of course, the Republicans continue. Listen to this headline. This is a headline today. As hunger grows, GOP pushes back over food stamps. Now, there, in a nutshell, in a nutshell, is the essence of republicanism. People are hungry. And Republicans' response is, don't help them eat. We don't have the funds. Oh, we have funds for bailing out cruise lines and airlines and auto plants and for awarding contracts to our disreputable donors. But Food? Stamps? Are you kidding? Democrats want to raise uh, the food stamp benefits by 15% uh, for the duration of this crisis. Um, When we had the Great Recession under Obama, we did that and helped alleviate a lot of hunger, especially hunger in children. But since Republicans are in, with, in their blood and bone against feeding people, <laughs> they are doing serious pushback. What they care about is indemnifying employers, things like that. They'll go to the mat for that making sure that no one will be able to sue an employer, for instance, who forced them off unemployment, made them return to work, and then killed them, essentially, by not giving them enough PPE, right? And the Republicans are wanting to make sure that that employer cannot be sued by the survivors. God almighty. They're, I mean, they're, they're so awful that you can't make it up. Here's, here's the aforementioned Mike Pence two weeks ago. By Memorial Day, we will largely have this coronavirus epidemic behind us. What the? What? I mean, I know they lie all the time. You know, we're in terrible, terrible trouble. I'm laughing so I don't cry. We're in terrible trouble. We are being led by fools, soulless men 
who only care about the retention of their own power and their filthy, gotten lucre. Every study shows that there's going to be an increase in the deaths from this because of the loosening going on. And then there's going to be a resurgence. Fine time. Let's re... Yeah, let's get rid of the coronavirus task force. Don't need that anymore. Guess we did it. Done. Oh. You saw there was a 24-hour uh, about face on that. Right. Oh, uh, Trump said, oh, I had no idea that people appreciated the work that the coronavirus task force was doing. What is going on in this guy's head that he thinks in the, in, in the midst and perhaps the early, the early innings of this unbelievable catastrophic crisis that a government would not have something akin to a task force to try to organize response, federal response. And here's a guy who's willing to let it just go before we're even over the hump. So the question comes down to, how do you answer the question? And I, I believe a New York's governor was uh, posing this the other day. The fundamental question, which we're now left with, is what is a human life worth? Now, human lives are, are being lost because of the virus. Human livelihoods are being lost because of the response to the virus, both keeping things closed down and opening things up will result in consequences you don't want to see. But here's how the Republicans clearly have calculated this. If we open it up, First of all, those unemployment claims will come down. People will be forced back to work. And the people forced back to work, the people who cannot work from home, are, of course, disproportionately lower-income service workers, uh, disproportionately black and brown and female, and uh, those are the warriors that Trump is willing to sacrifice. You can just imagine the calculation. They don't vote for us anyway. For Trump, it is always about the numbers. That's why he's always talking about his ratings. It's always about numbers. Remember way, 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 way back, when he didn't want that cruise ship with some Americans on board to land on the West Coast somewhere to, uh, to come in and let those poor people off because he didn't want the number of cases on the ship to be counted 
as American cases. He flat out said it's going to raise our numbers. And you know why we're not testing? (coughs) Why he's doing nothing to get a, a, a a true grip on the numbers. These are more important numbers than your rating numbers. He doesn't want the testing because the numbers keep growing. And in fact, he was quoted just yesterday saying this. In a way, by doing all this testing, we make ourselves look bad. So here again, it is what Trump does. He is a child. What do children do when they don't like what they're seeing or hearing? They cover their eyes, they put their fingers in their ears, and they go, "Mm, I can't see you, I can't hear you, I can't see you, I can't hear you. And so he's intent on just going forward into what horror show I can't imagine. Have I taken time uh, recently to thank all of my fellow Americans who put Donald Trump in the White House because they didn't like Hillary Clinton or they thought Donald Trump would shake things up or they got a kick out of him or he seemed to model for them what leadership looked like? Have I bothered to thank those fine, serious, critical thinkers and add to them those who voted for Jill Stein, those who voted for third-party candidates? Have I bothered to thank you yet as the body count grows Trump was heard to happily remark yesterday that he's almost done killing off Obamacare. Did you hear that? In the midst of a pandemic, he is doubling down, urging the Supreme Court to strike down Obamacare. the only access to insurance of millions of Americans. How evil, how evil do you have to be? Um, If a caller is still there, uh, go on. Hello. Is this Lynn Cullen, Raiders Raiders of the Lost Ark? Uh, I don't know about that second part, but yeah, it's Lynn Cullen. Well, didn't you get the art out of the basement? Oh, I forgot all about I threw it out. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. 
I'm sorry, dear. I am not. I am just not sharp these days. It's my social isolation. It keeps me from, you know, being as on my toes with my wit or even my comprehension. But uh, yes, this is the same, Lynn. What's up with you? I want to give your listeners uh, a little heads up on something. Before I get to that, though, this elephant goes up to a naked man and said to him, how do you breathe through that thing? a good question okay anyway it's something i wanted to lay on your listeners and you which i'm sure you'll forget by the time you hang up anyway i was listening to uh there's a guy out in california tim conway jr that's mm-hmm. tim conway's son yeah he does a show on kfi okay and he's saying that he got some information which he tried three times and it worked every time you know, when you're trying to get through to, like, your bank or the cable company and you're put on hold and you're there for, like, ever? He said the oh, trick yeah. is, he said the trick is when they want you to, you know, do you speak Spanish? Hit, yeah, Spanish. And they come right on because they got, you know, people hanging around waiting to talk to Spanish people. So, anyway, they answer the phone right, right away. And he says, oh, I'm sorry, I got connected to the wrong number do you speak english and they always do he, he's done this three times and yeah. every time oh, yeah and he, he, he says he, go ahead here's what's not right about that because you're <clears throat> you're taking those spanish-speaking service people um out of circulation for the spanish-speaking customers who need to talk to them well that's that's what he was saying, that those people are just sitting there because, you know, they don't yeah, get a but, lot of calls. Oh, you think they don't? Yeah, okay. that's why they answer right away instead of being on hold for like 20 minutes. Have you tried hour. it? Have you tried it? I, no, I haven't, but he did. And he's done it three times and said, yeah, boom, they pick up right away. You know, can I help you? And just say, do you speak English? Yeah. And he said, well, I'm sorry. They gave me the wrong extension. Do you speak English? And they always say, yeah. And then you just go on with why you're calling. And they take <laughs> care of it. <laughs> well, I, I'm i quite sure that some folks are going to give that a try next time they're, you know, unhappily on hold or going through those. Um, and please pay attention because our menu has recently changed. Oh, my God, yes. Yeah. So many times you hear that. Anyway, there's there's kind of an end around about the uh, yeah I like uh, it. I mean I like it, but it it it's playing fast and loose with the rules. And man, I can see how in these times, I guess everybody has to do whatever they have to do. Well, if it helps yourself out, what the heck, you know? Well, see, but that's spoken like a true. No, 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 I don't mean it that way. I mean, you know, because you know, like you call your bank. And, oh, yeah, we'll be with you. Your wait time will be an hour. Yeah. So you hit Spanish and it's, hello. It picks right up. (laughs) Well, thanks Uh, for the tip. I like it better than your elephant nose joke. Oh, you do, do you? Yeah, I do. Okay, well, how about this one? All right, one more. Okay. All right. I got up this morning, getting dressed, a button comes off in my hand. 
Then I go over to pick up my briefcase and the handle comes off in my hand. Then I go over to open the door and the doorknob comes off in my hand. I go out to my car and the car handle comes off in my hand. I'm afraid to pee. <laughs> You're out of here. Enjoy the weekend, Lynn. You too. <laughs> Boy, I didn't think that's where that was going. We were standing at the car with your with your hand holding the the car door handle and uh and then we the next line was I'm afraid to be <laughs> All right. Okay. That one I got. Um uh you know I avoid uh I avoid uh, going, um, I'm sorry, I just got a, I just got a message that stopped me. So it's okay. So yeah, it was okay. Um, I avoid, uh, giving Amazon business. It doesn't mean I'm successful all the time, but I really do avoid it because I hate monopolies and I hate people who have more than their share and who are building these huge, it's like I never stepped foot in a Walmart. Same thing. I because Walmart was the Amazon before Amazon. I hate big. I hate big. I like little. And um, so I just wanted to share this with you. Um, a uh, vice president at uh, Amazon. In case you didn't see it, he's an engineer. He uh, quit uh, the other day, and uh, he quit because he said he did not want to be associated anymore with a company that treated its employees as badly as Jeff Bezos treats his. He mostly was looking at the recent firings of any Amazon employees uh, who were arguing um, and protesting because they wanted more safety. Uh, you know, they wanted PPE uh, and other protections. And the people who did that, the workers who stood up and, and sought uh, some measure of uh, occupational security uh, while on the job working these tough warehouse jobs for Amazon, uh, they just threw them all out. Because, you know, there's lots of people who are desperate to have a job. So this guy, whose name is Tim Bray, uh, he said that firing these workers was, quote, evidence of a vein of toxicity running through Amazon's company culture. I choose neither to serve nor drink that poison. Good for him. Every once in a while, somebody stands up and says no. I believe I have another caller. Caller, go ahead, please. Hey, Lynn, it's Jonathan. Hi, Jonathan. 
I, I can't follow the, the joke teller caller. I don't even know why I'm on the phone with you. Gee. <laughs> what? what do you mean? No, I thought at first you were, why, you think you like him? I do. Well, today wasn't up to his usual standard in, in that I'm not going to be able to call the family members. I usually call and say, hey, I got a joke for you. But, uh, but yeah, I always. Oh, so you can't tell the I'm afraid to pee joke. <laughs> No. Uh, yeah, it's just, you know, it's like um, older ants and things like that. I don't I, I can't. I'd be too squirmy and uncomfortable. I couldn't do that. <laughs> but you were talking about um, uh, the, the people in 2016, like who voted for, for Trump, or, you know, that sort of thing. That I hope they're happy. And I saw, have you seen a trailer yet for the um, Michelle Obama uh, documentary that's going to be on Netflix? No, I have not. Okay, um, it looks good, but she said uh, in that she said that she understood the people who who voted for, for Trump, but it was the the people who didn't vote at all, and she specifically yeah. mentioned young people, the women, and she said um, it that was like a slap in, in the face to her. I think she said it, uh, it's like they think it's a game. So that that's who she was. She said after all that work that they couldn't even be bothered to show up and mm-hmm. vote. That, that's what really, it wasn't the people who felt uh, that maybe Trump was their better guy, but it was people who couldn't be bothered. And I thought that was interesting. Well, I think generally speaking, people who can't be bothered would be people who vote for Trump. Well, I mean, they, it, they got out there. Yeah, they did. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's but, no doubt that that's true, and and it's it's something that I don't know. Do you think it's like almost something you have to be taught? I, you know, it's like a it's like one of those uh, um, values that a parent passes down to a child. Well, I, I know. I never. Yeah. I never thought of that. That's really interesting. But um, one of my dearest um, memories of my mom was when she would take me with her yeah, to vote. Right. And um, we would, I, I remember she would do, she had the same, I'm getting goosebumps now, but we would have the same ritual. She would every time, and I've done it with my kids, where when they used to have the curtain, as soon as the curtain yeah. would, would close, and she wasn't she wasn't a religious woman. She was more kind of spiritual, but but she would say this prayer. She would say, Thank you, God, for allowing me to live in the greatest country on earth where I can, we can choose our own leaders. Thank you to all those who fought and died so that we can have this right. And please help guide me to make the right choice. And then we would vote. Wow. And that, wow. that was her ritual every Really? Time. Every then, time? Yeah. Every and you, I, you know, we have to, again, say your mother served in World War II overseas. Yeah. So she had a real sense that people gave their lives for her to be able to do that. But that she would then, you know, before her vote, wow, that's powerful stuff. And it made you very patriotic, not in in the way that the Republicans have kind of absconded with that word in that uh, flag waving American that can never do wrong, screw the rest of the world kind of patriotism, but patriotic in that she loved what she felt America stood for, the kind of 
you know, uh, Emma Lazarus kind of America. Yeah. yeah. That's the kind of patriot yeah. that she was and that she passed on to me. Well, you're so a lucky I got, guy I to have met her. An election. Oh, I, I would feel horribly guilty. If I, I know. I, me too. I have never missed an election. Yeah. And I too took my child to vote. I mean, it's what you do. You you make clear to them. And so all these people who don't vote obviously never, maybe, you know, they come from a long line of people who never voted. They don't understand. It's the least you can do if you have the whatever advantages this country can confer. When I see our turnout rates every year in this country, I it's, I just... Uh, it's it's embarrassing to me. I know. I it's can't an, understand it. And my poor daughter, my youngest, she will turn eighteen four days after. No. And it's no. <laughs> yeah, because she's dying to to vote in this election. I don't oh. know. You and I can still volunteer together and work together. She'll dismiss it by four days. <laughs> Well, vote, vote with her and let her pull the lever, push the final button or something. I don't know. I always Damn. do. Yep. Okay, you do. <laughs> All right. Take Good care. to hear from Bye. you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. And I believe we do have another caller. Caller, go ahead, please. Hello. Good morning, Lynn. Ray from Hi, Austin. hi. How are you? Hi. I'm fine, Ray. How are you doing? Lynn, I'm so sorry about Tom. My condolences. Thank you. I did so enjoy when he was on. Um, uh, and you two did act like a couple of kids sharing a desk in an elementary school. I know we so, did. We really it had not a... last forever. It just wasn't going to last forever. <laughs> no. No. I, I had the pleasure of running into him a couple times outside the show. And actually, I had a drink with him once down at the Harp and Fiddle. And he was charming, but he seemed like he could be very complicated. Um, oh, oh! I think he was an extremely complicated. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But he and I had very different outcomes from a very similar Catholic school education. So I'll I'll say my rosary for him tonight. Right? Oh gosh! Thank you, thank you. This was a real kick in the gut. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine, especially this time. You know, when mm-hmm. he was far away and out of touch, and and it's kind of it's it's it's. Doubly sad for that. You know, that you didn't have a chance to say goodbye. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Damn it. But uh, keep up, keep up the good work, Lynn, and uh, and uh, just keep in mind, go back uh, YouTube. I believe you still have him archived. Uh, you can go back and read. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. We should probably he put was, up. I should maybe look for a good one and put it up. I, I I think Pittsburgh City Paper did stick one up. I saw on their um, they did. I saw a screenshot of Tom. It almost looks like he was doing the show without me, which might have been a might have happened. He did. Uh, he did for a while. He he covered, and it was it was not his best work. He needed a foil. Uh, yeah. To, to kind of uh, and also someone to steer the show. He he was. Uh, yeah. He was. But he was charming, and and I I'm I'm sorry he's gone. So. Oh my gosh! And with him, all that life experience and those wonderful oh, stories, and that rapier wit. And he was generous, generous with his time and his and his yes. knowledge, and and uh, you know, I yeah, I don't know what to say, but it was fun while it lasted. 
Yes, it was. Thank you, Ray. Yeah. Thank you. Not at all, Lou. Be well. All right. Love you. Talk to you. Love you, Bye. too. Bye-bye. Um, okay. So I mentioned the Supreme Court uh, and uh, the it reminded me that there was this, uh, the Supreme Court is now, of course, uh, meeting, you know, they're all in their pajamas and, you know, on the phone together. And and um, apparently during uh, oral arguments uh, yesterday, and maybe you've already heard this, uh, <laughs> um, the, some, attorney was arguing uh, something or other in, um, I'm not sure what the case was, uh, but this was a live streamed hearing. So obviously uh, a lot of people were listening or normally you can't listen and, and now we can. And um, in the middle of, oh, the, the case was bar, that'd be our revolting attorney general, versus the American Association of Political Consultants. I have no idea what the case is actually about. But 59 minutes into um, the argument in this case, darn if, well, here, the guy was saying, the lawyer, Roman Martinez, was saying, and what the FCC has said is that when, and then you heard it, a toilet flushing. It was so clear. All you could hear was a toilet flushing. And people who were listening on social media go nuts. Toilet flushes during oral arguments. Um, Interestingly enough, the uh, transcript that the Supreme Court later put out does not include the flush, but there's, I mean, this is in the written transcript. It doesn't say toilet flushes, but it's not in the official audio of the hearing either, which is available on the court. So they cleaned up the audio. So, uh, excuse me. I, I sneezed into my elbow. I promise. So that's a first. I'm I'm just telling you that in the history, as far as we know, in the history of the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, never has uh, a flushing toilet uh, been part of the the audio content. And also, on uh, while we're in D.C., you you have to have heard right about the the set two involving. Um, Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin and Axel Rose. Now I got to tell you, I can go for decades without ever saying Axel Rose or Guns and Roses. And somehow today, I mean today is the second time I have mentioned Axel Rose or at least Guns and Roses and Axel Rose. And um, that's odd. And I don't think one has anything to do with the other because out of the blue, Axel Rose apparently tweeted um, something that, about Mnuchin. Now, 
don't ask why. I don't have a clue. But Axel Rose all of a sudden tweeted, uh, whatever anyone may have previously thought of Steve Mnuchin, he's officially an asshole. That was from Axel Rose. And um, man, then what shocked the hell out of everybody is Mnuchin, who is not one to, you know, not, he's a big, not a big tweeter, not like the president. He fired back. And the Treasury Secretary of the United States said to Axel Rose, what have you done for the country lately? And then tacked on a little flag emoji. Problem is, the flag he tacked on, which he thought was the flag of the United States, was the flag of Liberia. It's a kind of mistake, you know, that is just a normal day to hourly, minute to second occurrence in the Trump administration. By the way, the flag of Liberia uh, icon was later uh, uh, switched out uh, for the real American flag uh, because of all the, you know, ensuing hilarity on on Twitter that Mnuchin couldn't tell a Liberian flag from an American flag. The Liberian flag looks uh, very much like it's got red and white stripes, but it just has this one star. Uh, on a blue thing. And um, there you have it. Uh, but Axel Rose saw the first one and immediately knew it was the Liberian flag, which is very impressive. Because he then tweeted back, oh, my bad. I didn't get we were hoping to emulate Liberia's economic model. <laughs> oh, God. So, um, and on and on. I don't know that Mnuchin then uh, went on. But this is, this is, you know, this is the kind of silliness that provides, I guess, uh, some, some distraction and uh, relief uh, from reality. You know, I think it was the Washington Post did a piece on why we are uncomfortable wearing masks. I mean, I was saying, I think when the show started, that I'm uncomfortable because I can't breathe. But a big part of it for me, and I think maybe I've said this on the air, is it erases my face. And I mean, my face is the is how I show myself, my personality. You know, I have a, a an expressive face, and it erases my face, so that in um, you know, in talking to people, I am not who I am. I once I feel that I am not wholly there to you know be understood and express myself, I just clam up. It's why when I'm in a foreign country and I don't know the language, I become a different person. I become very sort of, you know, truly introverted, fearful, uh, embarrassed. Um, I, even if I know a little of the language, I don't like even trying to speak because I sound like an idiot. And I don't think I am an idiot. And so 
taking the lower half of my face out of circulation is really upsetting to me. Um, Part of it also being that I know my smile is generally considered one of my greatest attributes. I do have a genuine and a nice smile, and I love smiling at people. I always have, and it takes my smile away. I think we got a bunch of callers. Yeah, we got two more callers on the line. Let me let me head to the phone. Hello. Good morning, uh, Lynn Ella from Penn Hills. I hi. To, uh, how you doing? I'm doing well, fine. That's wonderful. What I'm calling about, I'm sorry to hear about your friend Tom. I learned uh, an expression a few weeks uh, ago, and it's absent on earth, present with God. And that just made me feel good when, when I had someone that was lost. Yeah. And I also wanted to wish you a happy Mother's Day to you and all your listeners. You are a dear. Thank you, Ella. Oh, you're so welcome. So Thank long. you, dear. Bye. Goodbye. Aw, oh, it's nice to hear a a new voice like that. Caller, go ahead, please. I think somebody else. Hello, Lynn? Yes. Yeah, this is Debbie. Uh, I hate to follow a nice call like that with, um, I have some friends that are sending me these bizarre videos about Dr. Fauci. Have you seen any of this stuff? No. Yeah, he's known about the SARS, this hydrochloroquine can can cure the SARS-CoV, the one that was back in 2005. Oh, for God's sake. And there's a video of some woman doctor that's, when I looked it up, I always research these things. My friends don't. They just send it because it's on Twitter and it must be true. Yeah. And it's all about her and she's an anti-vaccine person. So, of course, Dr. Fauci had her shut up and fired and all this stuff because she's against. And have you seen any of this crap? I've been trying to research it. and. No, you know it's crap. You know it's crap. Yeah, and it's all these same goofy websites that are not, you know, and oh, this is, you know, and then when you read and read and go, well, it's really not exactly, you know, SARS is different. And then there's a study my friend sent me that the military, if they gave the guys all the flu shots, now they're susceptible to getting COVID-19. Well, when you look all this up, that's not true either. No, of course not. This is anti-vaxxer crapola, and it it these people, the anti-vaxxers, are going to make our recovery from this much more difficult. Yeah, and she and the mass. She actually said wearing masks is bad for you because you're breathing in your own stuff. I'm like, well, we know you're breathing in your own stuff, but if you're not sick, you know. Jeez. And even if you are sick, you already have the stuff. So what, I mean, jeez. I mean, oh I my God. she says, people wearing it in their car. I'm like, well, I don't wear it in my car. I'm the only one in the car. You know, I wouldn't waste your time arguing with people like that. They, oh, they're, I just... They They're sent it in a text, and I just sent it back and said, you know, this is not true. And then they're sending me, but the military. So I looked it up, and they're, all this research was done 
before COVID-19. It's scary how many uh, incredibly um, naive, ill-informed, easily led, uh, you know, credulous, incapable of their own critical thought people there are in the world. My friend, she's like a man-hater, so this woman must be true because Dr. Fauci, of course, is a man, Oh, and he doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm thinking he's oh. been in this office for how many years? Since Reagan. Yeah, and she, my other friends who send us other stuff, she says they're all just stupid and they send nonsense. I'm thinking, well, now you're doing it. <laughs> it's really, it's upsetting. Isn't that upsetting? Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you have people like that sending <laughs> you stuff. But, yeah, I've uh, been like, oh, God, I just no. read part, and then I go, and she goes, well, you didn't listen to the whole thing. I'm like, well, yeah, I did listen to the whole thing. And, and I looked her up, and she's with the Robert Kennedy Foundation. Oh, okay. Well, there you have it. Anti-vaxxer. And Ron yeah. Paul, not Rand right. Paul, but Ron Paul, I mean, right. the same group of people all the time. And I'm thinking, well, wasn't polio extinct because of a vaccine? <laughs> you can't argue with these people. You cannot no. argue. It okay. reminds me of Barney Franks telling that one lady one time, it's like arguing with a dining room table. <laughs> there you go. Hey, thanks for the call. Okay. All Talk right, later. Susie. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Um, okay, uh, little Tony says, don't forget that when you smile, your eyes smile also. When I smile, my eyes close. They do. They close. My Damn. I mean, I don't mind my 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 big lumpen nose being obliterated, but my mouth. Dang. Um. Barbara has said, "Have you talked about Ahmad Arbery?" Oh God, Barbara. I have. Um, I have been, I cannot and have not looked at the video because I don't like watching beautiful, innocent, young black men be hunted down and shot in broad daylight. Um, the fact that nobody was arrested turns out the guys who did it know all the law enforcement people in in the town because one of them used to be one. Two DAs had to say, I can't bring charges. The killer's my friend. The killer's my friend. So finally we get to a third DA who uh, now says he's going to put it in front of a grand jury as soon as the grand jury can meet, strangely, this is Georgia, and even though they've decided, you know, the what coronavirus, <laughs> and opened up a lot of their state, they still will not allow grand juries to meet. This was cold-blooded murder by self-appointed white vigilantes who when they see a black man running, see a criminal who needs to be shot. And the number of these 
white vigilantes in this country. Is in the millions. That's my bet. This beautiful 25 year old. So what? Black people can't jog? They'll tell you no. If you're a black man running, you're you're running because you just did something and you're running from it. You're running from the police. So I get to shoot you in the back. <clears throat> black men afraid to wear masks. Understandable. A black man in a mask is up to no good. One of the things that I find most unbearable about this coronavirus unmasking of the stink of the underbelly of this nation is how it has pulled away any, any comfortable idea that somehow black people have made it, that they have equality in this. I don't know who thinks that, but some people do. I don't know how black people can live with the rage they must feel. The rage I feel feels like it, it will eat me alive. I can't bear it. If I were black, my God. I, I mean, nothing brings me closer to just losing it. Nothing. So, Barbara, no, I didn't bring it up because I just can't. I can't stand it. The hateful haters. Horrible human beings. That share my skin color. God. Do I have a caller? I'm a little mixed up here. I know somebody hung up, but if there's a caller there, speak now or forever hold your peace. Okay. Um, Jeez, Mary. Mary says the anagram of the day, and she wrote Axel Rose, and then under it, oral sex. Yep, that is, no, yeah, it is, that is it. I was thinking, (laughs) I'm sure Axel probably already knows that. Oh, what did the Supreme Court do today? It threw out the convictions of two government officials implicated in Bridgegate in 2013, in which then New Jersey Governor Chris Christie 
and his allies schemed to create a traffic jam. Isn't this this is this is Republicans using government? Yeah, we don't use government to feed the hungry. No, we use government to settle scores and create traffic jams. Yeah. The justices said in their unanimous decision that while the scheme involved deception, corruption, it did not violate federal law. Well, that's just wonderful. Then something might be wrong with the law. So here's Justice Kagan explaining. The question presented is whether the defendants committed property fraud. That's what it boils down to. The evidence the jury heard, no doubt, shows wrongdoing, deception, corruption, abuse of power. But the federal fraud statutes at issue do not criminalize all such conduct. The officials could violate those laws only if an object of their dishonesty was to obtain the Port Authority's money or property. So, oh man, so they skitter by just because a real thorough reading of the law shows they didn't violate that particular law? No, they just abuse their power. They created terrible trouble, if you remember, there were... Uh, Emergency vehicles couldn't get to emergencies, all kinds of things. Jesus, our law. You know, Charles Dickens famously wrote, the law is an ass. I'm just saying. Uh, Okay. I'm just saying if I have anything else. We got the new numbers in, but I hate them. I mean, what's the purpose of looking at those numbers? They're, they're, they're false. The death toll grows and will continue to, and uh, nothing else is new. Uh, so now we got, we're almost up to 1,500 confirmed cases, which is bull, uh-oh, and 117 deaths. Oh, Jesus. All right, well. I'm looking for... Milton has sent me something, which I'm trying to open. This computer is... Yeah. Oh, thank you. Among many... True statements uttered by this great man, James Baldwin. Milton has sent me this quote. To be black and conscious in America is to be in a constant state of rage. Yeah. Well, I believe it. How could it be otherwise? And you know what? A constant state of rage and the stresses of being black in America create chemicals that disperse through black bodies on a daily basis. And those chemicals do damage to those black bodies because that level of stress and rage kills 
So black people can wait for some white person to blow them away. Or they can wait till their own reaction to that level of hate of them, of being hunted by them, of the everyday insults and slights and assumptions, all of it. And all the time their own bodies are turning on them because of all of this negativity. It creates bad stuff inside your body. To be black and conscious in America is to be in a constant state of rage. I have no doubt. I have no doubt. And all the apologies in the world from people in white skins can't do a damn bit of good. God damn it. All right. (laughs) At least the sun's out. The sun's out before apparently it snows, freezes, and... I don't know, we, there's a polar vortex heading our way? It's May! The world's inside out, upside down. There's a few things that remain the same. Not much, but it turns out the new normal, like the old normal, still is more deadly to black people. Hmm. Some things never change. Try to stay alive. I'll talk to you on Monday. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.